What is up everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Sheehan Show here on Shardog.com My name is Sean Sheehan, I'm absolutely delighted to be joined today by Harry Powell If you don't know him, he is the host of a number of podcasts over in Severe MMA Co-host the uh, weekly preview show, the review show, the balance breakdown Speaker's Corner does an absolutely fantastic job over there So if you're not following him, follow him at BJJ underscore Harry Powell And I have on Harry on with me today because uh, his his wonderful spod, uh, podcast, the podcast speakers corner talks about maybe the the overarching uh, p- uh, parts of mixed martial arts, not necessarily the you know how to throw a jab or who's next for the uh, for the title shot or things like that, but like the, the maybe some of the, the the issues that we don't talk about on a week to week basis. And the one I wanted to talk about today, because of a number of fighters who have fought recently, is like how big experiences and not just that but how big and how meaningful being at different parts of your career can be and we have Israel Adesanya coming up this weekend who is um obviously the champion of the world right at the very top last weekend we had Kalen Lochran who fought after eight fights in his career which was really kind of six fights in his career because the first two were against like proper journeymen and then we have other people say like Reese McKee uh who's any second stint we have someone like say an Aaron Blanchfield or a Manon Firo who are just there kind of at the apex and a few more people as well we will bring in and uh and discuss throughout this Harry Thank you very much for joining me. How are you today? And I know we, we, we've spoken a little bit about this before, even on Sherdog, but how big do you think it is um, that we are all, you look at, say, three pay per view or three uh, UFC events in a row, and you can pick out so many different fighters, and the winning of the losing, winning and losing of the fight almost boils down to that to the experience, to the level where they have reached in their career. Not necessarily their ability, not necessarily where they can go, but where they are right now. It's really massive, isn't it? Yeah. Um, firstly, thank you very much for having me again. I appreciate it. Um, secondly, I think there's a... When we, when we sort of look out at the hierarchy of traits that are needed to be an elite level MMA fighter or even just a competitive MMA fighter at the pro level, there's, there's like a real broad spectrum of them, but a lot of them sit under the hierarchical tree of experience. You know, you can't get skills without experience because you need time on the gym in the gym. You need time on the mats. You can't get experience of what a fight feels like without having gone through camps, without having gone through weight cuts, without having gone through the walks, without having gone through sitting in those lockers in those sports halls at amateur days and, and early pro days and actually going out and doing the fighting. You can't get experience of wins and losses, like the after effects of a fight, without having done them. You don't get experience of press conferences or dealing with different fight weeks or dealing with traveling to a different country and fighting under a different organization with different rules and all these sorts of things without having done them. And so I think experience, even outside of maybe specifically what we're talking about when you mentioned Kellen Lochran and Taylor Lapalus, which was absolutely uh, a fight determined by experience rather than pure skill. I think it's fair to say that Lapalus used the experience and the adjacent uh, skills gained from that experience to win that fight against Kalen Lochran. But you also saw that there are other traits that Kalen was using and his own levels of skill to make that an extremely competitive fight for two rounds and you know three quarters, I guess. But I think for me, 
the specific point on experience is, and, and where you, some of the fighters you've listed is there is a tipping point. And we talk about primes and we talk about peaks and we talk about, you know, athletic abilities and all this stuff, but there is a really, really thin and narrow window in MMA where there's an alliance and, and sort of an osmosis meeting of your the tires left on the tread is the thing we try, we try and say, right. Which is just damage taken versus damage dealt. So your, your body's ability to enact the experience you've gained, the actual experience gained itself. And then I think something that isn't talked about and that pairs specifically with experience is sort of personal maturity. You what you look at a fighter like Ian Gary and you look at the performance that he just put on most recently, and you go and look at his performance on his debut against James Sheehan and cage warriors. And you can feel that the maturity of the man outside of the cage in his personal life completely affects the way in which his fighting style has changed. The personal maturity took him to America. It took him to a gym whereby he felt like he was a very small pit fish in a very large pond so that he could access as much experience and skill as possible. So I couldn't agree more with you that, that the level of experience really at that top of the hierarchical tree infiltrates and, and affects so many of the other traits we see in MMA. A hundred percent. And I, uh, the, the fight you made, uh, an example of there, the Kane and Lockhart Taylor Lapalus fight, maybe is is the one where you kind of start with here, um, because it's. I think it's a very interesting fight because maybe if people, you know, maybe if you're in the states and stuff, obviously Kane Lockhart is Irish and we we followed him uh, throughout his his whole journey, uh, you know, as a as a pro mostly, but as a bit a bit of an amateur as well, obviously, but. Um, it's funny because Caelan Ockren is is a good and bad example of this, right? Because I think he has actually like outweighed his experience levels massively. Because as I said, okay, he's eight, nine fights now into his career, but coming into this eight fights, two of which were were kind of you know were against Reece Street and and Will Cairns, which you know some people would argue they don't even count as fights. So like six real fights, and in that he beat a cage warriors champion and beat like one of the top prospects in cage warriors as well and i would even argue in his fight against taylor lapalus he actually fought way above the experience level of someone like him like he i think the right attitude to enter that fight with was to wrestle 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 and you see people at uh, a way higher level in terms of rankings and and stuff who give up on that wrestling early in a fight where they have to continue to wrestle throughout it even like Spivak a little bit at the, in the main event and he continued to do it the thing about it is and the, the problem with Kalen right is you, you mentioned the tipping point there at the top but there's also a kind of a, a an entry level tipping point if you want to put it like that where it, you can be like uh, say Kalen he's a young guy with a lot uh, who uh, is probably overachieved in terms of the level of experience he has, but still that level of experience is the thing that probably drew him back on that. Like he wasn't that far away from winning that fight. If he'd won a minute in the third round, he could have won the fight. But the last minute of the third round was probably his worst minute in the whole fight. And what does that come down to? I actually would argue it comes down to the experience of Lapalus more than him because Lapalus was on his bike. He was touching him up. He was hitting him with shots and really kind of taking away even the thought of that takedown. But it's not, it's not even that, right? I would argue that the bigger part of that is Kalen like adjusting in future because of that. So 
uh, you always hear great uh, teams and uh, my great Limerick team however the thing up here by me I was I was watching back one of the games last night and so it, it, it this could be any sport but they were five points down in the final game and they went down and they won by nine points right and one of the players was interviewed afterwards and they were asked about that point in the game and he goes well we have reference points we have this game this game this game this game and we could reference that and go on and go, oh, okay, we're not, we haven't lost here, let's go and win. Cain Lochran has no reference point for that. Now he does. Now he's a reference point. Like, that is the situation I found myself in. In future, you go on and you reference that and go, here, here's what I need to do in, at this point, this point. Like, whether it's just a different entry, whether it's a, you know, I'm going to strike for 30 seconds to set up a takedown rather than going takedown, 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 takedown sort of thing. That, I think, is massive. And, like, sometimes we say, oh, experience matters, and we actually don't delve into why it matters. But that's a big part of it, Harry, isn't it? For sure. And, you know, I think there's... It's going to be difficult to, d- to describe it properly, and I'll, I'll just sort of have a go. But I think there's an element with Kalen that he is a tipping point on a global level in a lot of ways, because when you see fighters coming through now, no, okay. He's not, he's not the youngest in age, right. But he's, he's certainly the youngest in, in fight time. I think what we're going to see as we move through modern MMA is it's the coaching is becoming so much more efficient that guys like Kalen with a skill set that he has are going to come out of the woodwork way more at six fights deep because the, when you are coaching efficiently, the skill set, not necessarily some of the experiences we've talked about, the experiences of being on the mat, guys are going to have less experience on the mat because they're learning more efficiently. So they're going to need to spend less hours on the mat to get a higher net result of skill. They're going to not necessarily have to compete as much in an amateur career or as a pro career in order to test those skills because the training is going to become more efficient. However, when you have somebody like Kalen, the answer was very obvious from round one. It was that he didn't have a way around the jab as efficiently as he would like. He found a way around the jab and he found a way around the jab, maybe less technically than he would prefer. He just bundled his way through some jabs. He landed some counters. He pulled the jab and ducked underneath it and tried to get inside. And when that wasn't working, the thing that you said is, He's just stuck to the game plan and believed in the game plan. And I think he has reference points, just not as large as those ones, because the reference points are going to be when he's on the mat and let's say he's trying to take Darren Till down and he just can't take him down and he can't take him down and he can't take him down. Colin Heron watching on on that sparring session is going to be like, just try something different. He's like, your aim is to take him down. Like, what are we, what are we doing here? You carry on, you push forward and you take the man down. Now, don't get me wrong as we've rightly said, if we're going to analyze the fight a little bit further, those, those fi- that final minute, I think Kalen realized he needed something big, but he made the ro- wrong choice as to what big was. He made the choice that I'm going to try and stand in the pocket, pull this guy in and trust in my power shots. Lapalus was like, yeah, that's grand. I've got better head movement than you have because I've been in this situation more than you have. Again, alluding to experience, right? He's developed the skills in order to navigate those situations a little bit more superiorly than, I don't think that's a word, a little bit in, in a more superior fashion than Kalen has right now. But as you say, under those bright lights in front of that crowd, after the week he had, all of that is just invaluable levels of experience. A hundred percent. What I was trying to do. Another person I want to just mention is here is, uh, is Aaron Blanchfield. Uh, 
because we saw her fighting against Talia Santos, right? And I, I think it's interesting because I'm I'm looking at uh, at Aaron's record here, and you look at even some of the cancel fights she's had, right? She was supposed to fight Talia Santos. She was supposed to fight the likes of Norma Dumont, uh, Macy Barber, but did, she did fight Miranda Maverick, who's a very good fighter. She fought JJ Aldrich, who brings uh, something as with Monty McCann, and then she beat Jessica Andrade, which was obviously a massive thing in her career. And you watch that Talia Santos fight. And I want to throw this over to you pretty quickly here, Harry. But like, you watch that fight, and she's you know she's arguably one round down. It's not going amazingly for her. She's not, she's not dominating this fight. You're like you look at that Molly McCann fight, right? And you kind of think, oh, she's going to go and dominate everyone here in this fashion. And even she, you know, she did tough enough start against Jessica Andrade, but then went on to kind of dominate. When she can't do that against Talia Santos, and it's weird, right? Because. You could easily be forgiven if you're Aaron Blanchfield for getting drawn into kind of say, ah, Talia Santos, you know, she's a good fighter, but is she as good as me? Is she as good as the people at the very top of that division? This is kind of just the next fight I have to win and then I'll be fighting for a title shot. And then you you find yourself around down. You find yourself in a position where if I lose another 30 seconds in this fight possibly in this position i could be in a place where i have to really fight back and you know uh, and let's say she gets knocked down or she you know uh, santa's lands a big shot where you you're fighting for your life you're just to, to win this fight never mind fighting for the title never mind getting to the very top of the division how big is that like and she's not the most experienced fighter in the world either she's only 13 fights into her career but she showed, and, and there's a bigger point around this as well, I feel like, and we've spoken about this before, but gaining experience is probably um, happening earlier to some fighters now than it ever has before. And she, I think she's a very, very good example of this. But that turnaround at that point in that Santos fight, that is massive for her. You know, I'll say, I mentioned, and probably mentioned it again a few times, but the reference point for that, where you're... You're like, and it's it's not like her whole career is on the line or anything, but her whole contendership at this stage is on the line, and she turns it around and wins the fight from that point. That is something that you look at, and you know she's probably blind her experience there. Are you really, isn't she? Without a shadow of a doubt. But then that's like an auxiliary trait that's specific to Aaron Blanchfield, and you know you mentioned the the Talia Santos one because it's the most recent one. But in that JJ Aldrich fight, JJ Aldrich was beating the face off her for about a minute and a half, two minutes. And then Erin did exactly the same thing as she did with Talia Santos. And that's, you just find a way to win. And I think that that finding a way to win is sort of structured out of a couple of different parts of scaffolding. The first is you have to be well-rounded, right? Let's say you go out there and you put a striking display on like you did against Jessica Andrade. Congratulations. That's fantastic. That's, that's, that's a beautiful win. It's a beautiful display but you go out against Talia Santos in your next one and you're getting smashed in that first round. Like it wasn't a 10-8, but it was a really dominant 10-9, right? There was absolutely no question about it whatsoever. She couldn't find range. She was getting hit with big, big, big shots. She couldn't find her head movement. She couldn't find her rhythm and it was not a good round. And then she gets in at the end and her corner says like, what are we doing? Let's make this an MMA fight. And it's almost like she remembers, right? Oh yeah, I can do other things. And, and my experience isn't that I have to get drawn into this and I have to do this and I have to do that. There are special types of fighters who can make mistakes and adapt immediately. We talk about Demetrius Johnson all the time. Why? Because one of his innate fundamental superpowers was something would happen in a fight and it would fail and he would immediately change it. 
immediately. He just tries something different. If it worked, amazing. We carry on. If it doesn't work, you change it again. And for Aaron Blanchfield to come out in that second round and not entertain any of the striking and then just immediately start grappling. And, and obviously her grappling is fantastic. She was able to lean on the first structure of the scaffolding, which is, which is skills. But the second one, and I think this comes, this is where it's a really interesting debate is the confidence to go out and enact those skills, to believe in those skills. Kaylin Lockran had it and okay, he ended up on, on the losing side of a, of a very close decision against Lapuas, but Erin Blanchfield had it and she managed to pull it out the bag against Talia Santos. Right. And you know, we're, there is an element to confidence that only comes from either delusion. Maybe that's not a conversation for today, but MMA fighters have that in spades, but also an experience. Because if you asked a white belt grappler, right? Or how, how confident would you be about teaching a class on deep half guard? The answer is not confident. Like Conor McGregor just got his black belt two days ago. If you say, Conor, how experienced, like how confident do you feel about teaching a class about deep half? His confidence is going to be numerically vastly different than that white belt you've just asked. Why? Because he spent 20 years on the mats. Because he's seen John Kavanagh and Lee Hammond and Owen Roddy and Paddy Houlihan and whoever it is teaching a thousand classes, 10,000 classes about deep half guard. And so where Aaron Blanchfield is a rare cookie, and I think where the, this, re, this experience arc has some misnomers and, and has some sort of outliers is when the confidence comes without the necessary or what we determine to be necessary experience itself. I, I think that's so interesting. I think it's so interesting because you look at, say, let, let's say you look at the Reese McKee fight, right? Where I, I actually think experience, one, kept him in that fight and two, like almost had him winning the fight towards the end, but still ended up losing because MMA at its core, you know, it's so unpredictable. And, uh, you know, I do a betting show every week and I almost feel bad about doing it because, like, it's it's just so utterly unpredictable. Like, I sp- spoke to Reese the other day and I was, you know, I was like, oh, sure, go in there, avoid the right hand and, you know, use your lint and stuff and it's a winnable fight. And 30 seconds into the fight, there's a right hand down through the middle, you're dropped, you get taken down, and then the whole fight changes, right? And... Reese did a good job and he survived and like the second round he's had to survive again a big barrage and in the third round he won the third round apart from one uh, judge who probably shouldn't be judging and almost got a finish in the fight and the, even the first round was relatively close you know he could, could have got that and the judges card didn't and I think rightly so but could have won the fight because that drug him true but you look at said the, the and, and we spoke about this as well you look at the reference points for him and it's look the Shamaya fight which went badly the Morono fight which is a better reference point because the Shamaya fight is you can almost throw that out but the, the Morono fight I don't think he did in the Morono fight what he did in this one which was kind of to drag himself back into it and to like almost win a fight which he lost and he and it's funny because he mentioned it to me the the um, the Jimmy Waller fight and his winning of that fight against a guy who was a UFC veteran was a big a point for him, a big reference point for him, because he didn't do it against Morono. He wasn't able to come through it. And it's 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 I think it's crazy. And I'm I'm very interested to know your opinion on this because sometimes 
you go in there with a game plan, right? And I'm sure Reese's game plan, and we've seen it out of Reese a long time. We've seen it in the Jimmy Wallet fight. We've seen it in many fights. It's to be calm and assured and do, uh, you know, this, 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 and this to get you the win. And in that fight, 30 seconds into it, all of that is gone out the window. Like, that... Here's the question, right? And we'll get, we'll get back to experience, I suppose, in a second. Does experience... And, and not even just necessarily experience, but, like, you're... When you have, right, say like Ken Lockhart, his game plan throughout the whole fight was to take him down, take him down, take him down. When something big like that happens, and we're talking about two separate fights here, but when something bit like big like that happens, is it almost survival mode? Like, is it almost like you, you give up on the fight for a few seconds and have to? And by the time you do that, the fight's almost gone. Like, how tough must that be? Because it's all, it's all well and good us talking about experience, us talking about game plans and all. But at the end of the day, there's people going in there getting absolutely punched in the face. And turning points in fights like that must be so hard to deal with, Harry. So I think in the specific case of Reese McKee, you said that one of, his, one of the parts of his game plan is that he's assured, right? calm and assured. He looked calm, right? He definitely looked calm. Didn't look assured though. He came out and he looked not maybe timid is too harsh a word, but he didn't look as confident as he does when he walked out and he fought Jimmy Woolhead. Is that because he knows that this is his second crack at the UFC? Is it because he knows he's on a big European card and he knows that it's a prominent position he's in and there's lots of eyes on him? Is it because something happened in camp? Is it just one of those days where you wake up as a fighter and you're like, today's not the day for a fist fight, like? Because all of those things happen. Now, as we get to it, it, as you say, experience keeps him in the fight. But I also think cardio keeps him in the fight. But that, again, you can rule to experience. He knows if he's not supremely prepared for a 15-minute fight and something happens, cardio is one of those things that allows you to recover so, so, so quickly in comparison to his opponent who essentially punched himself out on Reese's face for two rounds and then at the end, Reese was like, by the way, I'm still here. And Lusa was like, I'm not. So I've, I've now got to survive for these last four minutes and attempt to get myself through the fight. And that's a learning experience for Lusa, right? Is that, okay, we didn't get him out of there. One, you either pick your shots better and, and you, you, know, you do a better job at, at finishing the fight. Or you notice and have a better understanding of, is my man looking to get out of here? Or is he not? Because the difference was Reese McKee was always looking for a way to survive. He was always looking for a way to come back. By the end of the second round, Tiago Moises was not looking for a way to survive and not looking for a way out. He was looking for the referee to save him from the position that he was in. And that's a very tangible, very readable, very obvious line in the sand when it comes to fighting. And so for Reese, I think the experience certainly led him to that third round. But I also wonder whether his experience led him to the first two rounds also, because he knows the tipping point exists. He knows I've got one crack at this again. I'm not getting a third UFC run. I'm getting, this is, this is my one, right? And so I have to go out and I have to perform and I have to do what I, I want to do. But that probably takes him out of the flow state that he is so used to experiencing in cage warriors. He eats a big right hand and we are where we are in those first two rounds. So as much as experience leads to greener pastures, it can also lead to chaos, right? Yeah. And we, we often hear in sports like, Oh, you know, there's a young, 
19 year old or 18 year old come through and it's like uh, they don't un- they don't understand enough to be nervous type of thing you know whereas you know Reese in that position did understand what it's like I want to talk about Manon Firo and Sean Strickland or sorry um, uh, Israel Adesanya here uh, I'm going to put the two of them together because I feel like they're relatively similar in terms of they have almost come unscathed, apart from Liam McCourt, who deserves credit for that big win here uh, early in their career, to a championship level almost. Now, Firo obviously hasn't got there yet, but you know she's a fight away from it. Her last four fights, Bueno Silva, Maya, Chukagan, Namunas, that's championship level stuff right there. And obviously Adesanya has been a champion for the last while. I, th- I find it very interesting, right? You spoke about control there. And... The most in control person I think I've ever seen in mixed martial arts was George St. Pierre. And I would I would argue that the the way that people like the three of people I just mentioned, and it's funny how people are probably saying you're you're putting Manon Firo and George St. Pierre in the same sentence. But I uh, what she's done over the last few fights has been GSP like. Now, is it as good as GSP not? Absolutely not. But her ability to control fights, Adesanya's ability to control fights. Like, I often talk about Adesanya, and it's almost, to me, too controlled, because we, if we're just talking about mixed martial arts and the, the the sport itself, brilliant. If we're talking about the overall entertainment and all, that's a different story. Now, we leave that discussion for another day. But as a fighter, his ability to control fights is absolutely brilliant. Now, sometimes it isn't, you know, against Pereira and against Blahovic, but the Cannoneer fight is a great example of a fight that was, okay, it turned into a terrible fight, but because Izzy was able to control him so well, Vittori, Whitaker, on and on and on. Manon Firo has the ability to do that as well. And what's funny is, like, what's Manon Firo? I'm just looking here. She's uh, 12 fights into her career. Israel Adesanya is, is a good few fights. He's 26 fights into his career now, but he's had a lot of fights over the last few years. He didn't have that many fights when he came into, uh, you know, when he came into his uh, his UFC career. Uh, I think what is he had 15 fights in the UFC now. So uh, when you look at that, Harry, and you see people who... And, you know, we talked about Kalen coming in at the entry level, and I actually want to talk another bit about entry level in a few minutes, but when you see that level of entry to the UFC, which has changed, and now the very top level of control, is that what people should aspire to? Like, is it... Is it we, everyone can aspire to throwing the best kick or throwing the best punch or having the best takedown or having the best game plan, but is it the level of control in a fight that is what makes you the best fighter in the world? So I think the name that I thought you were going to mention when you spoke about control was Khabib Nurmagomedov. Uh, I think was he was, he was more chaos, controlled chaos with Habib. Sure. But he didn't lose, right? GSP was in situations where he had to suffer losses and he had to come back and, you know, and I'm not, I'm not, let's not do that debate today. But when we talk about controlling a fight, we can also bring in Sergei versus Sergei Spivak, who controlled that fight from a footwork and stance switching perspective absolutely unbelievably well. Manuel Ferro adopted control in two ways. I think one was very obvious, which was she just waited for Rose to come in, understood that she may not have been the, the better technical striker, 
but just realized she was bigger and she could crowd her and she could jam her and she could land harder shots and she was going to. But the second part, and I think actually the more impressive part of control from Manon Firo was, and this to me is way above her 12 fight career, is she takes a headbutt. An absolutely astounding cut opens up on the side of her head. Blood is gushing out of the side of her face. Think about what that does to a fighter, right? If you have a cut and you lose a bit of blood, what happens? You feel sick, you feel nauseous, you feel tired, you feel drained. You've got all sorts of feelings rushing through your body. You want to sit down. You don't want to go up against a two-time former UFC world fucking champion trying to take your head off. That's not what you want to be doing. You don't want to be having an athletic endeavor that you need to be at your absolute peak condition for. And yet at no point did she look phased. She survived the adrenaline dump, the inevitable adrenaline dump super, super well. She kept her calm. She kept her insurance and she stood and stuck to her game plan. Now, we can argue about uh, Israel Adesanya's entertainment value inside the cage. What we can't talk about and we can't debate is, as you say, his ability to control fights because of an adherence to his experience, an adherence to his game plan, his adherence to his tactics. Jesus, the same for GSP, the same for Habib, right? GSP was, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to beat you in every single range and I'm going to take you down when I'm ready and I'm going to keep you there. Habib was essentially the same minus that beat you in every range. He was happy to lose the striking and come on in. Israel Adesanya, the same. He's not going to let you. I can't let you get close, bro. I can't let you get close. Because if I do, you know, obviously potentially Jan Blachowicz things can happen. And so I think when we look at fighters and we look upon their skill set, for sure their ability to control a fight. And we often talk on the balance breakdown and on the preview show about controlling ranges and ranges, both in terms of, uh, standing ranges, but also ranges inside the cage itself. There's the center just outside the center. And then that black tram line, the perilous tram line for any striker, that's not Taylor Lapalus or Wilson Gomez. Right. And so I, I think it's, it can't be talked about more about how control leads in a lot of ways to experience. And this is just the final point I'll make. We also think, and we talk about control being ways to win fights. Look at Kalen Lochran. We'll bring that fight back in. He wasn't able to control the fight in a way that he wanted because he just doesn't have the experience yet. If he was able to deter uh, Taylor Lapolis from throwing that jab, or if he had more effective, more efficient, more intelligent counters, the jab in itself, the efficacy of it would have lowered. And you best believe that that round two would have looked very similar in rounds one and rounds three, but he wasn't able to do that yet. Manon Firo, the reason why she is a title challenger in one fight, two fights, whatever it is, is because she has that level of control. It's because she's been able to adopt her experience in the cage to not only crowd, beat up, land big damage on a fighter of Rose Namajunas' caliber, but also in the absolute chaos. Reese McKee takes a massive right hand from Angelusa and is on survival mode for 10 minutes. Manon Ferro has an absolutely gigantic cut opening on her se- on her head and still drops Rose Namajunas afterwards. That's the difference. Uh, that's massive, absolutely. The last thing I want to mention here, right, is just our understanding of experience levels as well. Because, you know, we see the reaction the last day, Kaelin Akron news, and like, oh, 
he talked a lot of shit and he's useless he's not gonna that's a like a, an utter and clear misunderstanding of, of just mixed martial arts and where we are and i feel like right it, but I, I i say that but i understand it too because the mma landscape has changed a lot over the years you wouldn't have seen someone as inexperienced as kane locker in the ufc a few years ago like we have these road to the ufc cards we have this dana white contender series monarchy where people are getting to the ufc and it's just it's a little bit too early and it doesn't mean they're not good fighters they just got there a little bit too early and there is a tendency uh, from you know some people and we look the online chatter is the online chatter we're never going to fix that but there's a tendency to not really understand that and you know man on fear and your next you know three and one entry fighter into the UFC are looked at at the same level when they absolutely should not be and I feel like the level of understanding we need to get get and gain for that is a massive thing. Like, there's no other sport in the world like it, right? Even, see, you could say boxing, but boxing, it never comes to that because they never have to get those tests early in their career. Boxing is almost the perfectly designed sport for not exposing inexperience, right? It's, it's, it's perfect. Um but in mixed martial arts, specifically in the UFC, we have to realize, but not even specifically in the UFC, right? Here's a great example. Arn Pico. What a great fighter. Like a great wrestler, a great striker now, a very good all-around fighter we've seen. And the, apart from his shoulder, the only thing to ever beat him is inexperience. Now, and some good fighters as well, don't get me wrong, but would Aaron Pico at his peak lose to Zach Freeman or who was the other one there was another good fighter in there I I would not think so so I think we need to just keep that in mind looking looking forward and and going forward talking about these fighters any any, uh, closing words on on that Harry or or anything else on, on this whole discussion yeah I think the difficulty with that right is you do get an Aaron Blanchfield every now and again who comes in at 21 years of age and storms through all of her fights and finds a way to win in the fights she doesn't storm through. You do get an Israel Adesanya who, okay, had an incredibly storied background in another combat sport, but drops himself into MMA relatively inexperienced and gets to the title inside two years. You do get an Alex Paheya who comes in with absolutely no MMA experience whatsoever and finds his way into a title shot finds his way into winning a title. So there are outliers that exist and and they do, unfortunately, they're treated more like the norm and more like the standard on the online chatter than what they actually are, which are anomalies. Very special, very rare anomalies. And that's a shame. And that's on us as the media. And that's on, you know, it's not going to be on the UFC because they're going to promote their stars and promote their anomalies as much as possible. But it's on us to promote the people like Sean O'Malley let's say, who went in, had an amateur career, had a professional career on the regional scene, found his way in through Daniel White Contender Series, and then openly said, or even Ian Gary, who comes on and says, I'm not ready for Kamara Usman right now, but I'm going to be. And I'm going to make sure that when that fight happens, I'm going to be in with a chance of beating him. And so I'm going to take these fights with guys that you don't know, and I'm going to make sure that I grind out performances that you may not even like but they will stand and stand next to me solid as a rock when I'm ready to compete with Kamar Usman. Because you then have, and I'll just bring Sean O'Malley back in it because that's who we mentioned. He was like, I'm not fighting any good fighter for the level of money you're paying me. I'll fight Andre Sukumtafs. I'll fight Eddie Wineland's. No problem. 
And I'll just keep racking up experiences and racking up highlight reels because until you're ready to pay me what I deserve for the experience I've accumulated, and that's another angle to this, of course, I'm not fighting those big guys. And if you look at both of them, it seems to have worked out pretty well so far for them. You know what I mean? And so we should be idolizing those career trajectories, the people that understand the value of experience and what comes with it. We should be idolizing those. Don't, that's not to say we shouldn't celebrate the anomalies because we absolutely should. They are rare, rare gems in our sport. But when you take on an amateur or you take on a guy that walks into an MMA gym and says, I would like to be a UFC world champion one day, follow the path of the Sean O'Malley, follow the path of the Ian Gary, where they are cognizantly mapping out a career with which they will get to the top, but they'll get to the top smartly. 100%. 100%. And there was, just to finish it up, there was a, a situation, I think only a year or two ago, where every UFC champion was over 30, right? And even you look at Sean O'Malley, oh, he's a young UFC champion, he's 28. Adesanya's 34. So it is a thing you need. Oh, it's like it's almost a prerequisite to have that amount of experience to get there in terms of just age, but in terms of fights as well. And it's, um, it's a, I, I suppose, an ongoing discussion. I'm glad uh, that we had it. Uh, I suppose kicked off today Harry thank you very much for joining me if you're not following him please do at BJJ underscore Harry Powell you'll find everything that he does right there and check out his uh, article every uh, every uh, Monday morning talking about the, uh, the the great prospects coming through from the weekend over in Severe MMA and uh, you know it's uh, it's going to do a bit of reading as well as a bit of listening so check that out as well alright everyone we will leave it there my name is Sean Sheehan for SureDog.com and I'll see you all next time